Hey listeners, I'm Pastor Brian Dwyer, and you're listening to the Pursue God Truth Podcast on a Tuesday. Pastor Ross Anderson joins me for today's topic. And remember, you can find resources to have this conversation with your family, small group, or mentor. Find it all at PursueGod.org. Okay, Ross, let's talk about the tribulation and let's talk about the Antichrist. This is a topic that probably our listeners have been waiting for us to cover. In the last episode, we reviewed a thought-provoking book called The Three Views on the Rapture. We talked about pre-trib, pre-wrath, post-trib views, and it really kind of goes hand in hand with today's topic because implied in the discussion of the rapture is an understanding of the event closely related to it called the tribulation, right? We said pre-trib rapture, post-trib rapture. Um, It used to be called the mid-trib rapture. Now it's called the pre-wrath rapture, but so, which is the wrath is all about the tribulation. So one of these key features in the tribulation, and we're going to talk about that today, but really even before we talk about the tribulation, we probably need to talk about the rise of this person that the Bible calls the Antichrist. And, um, there are different views on both the Antichrist and on the Tribulation, and that's what we're going to be talking about in this in this book. So, will Christians be there for the Tribulation? This question shapes how we might understand the timing of the Tribulation and the return of Christ. And we're going to kind of dig into some of the other questions around this. So, maybe just let's start a little bit with the idea of Antichrist, Ross. What is that all about? I, I think people have probably heard that term before, even if you're not Christian, You've probably heard of Antichrist. What does the Bible have to say about it? Yeah, so the Bible uses, uh, I guess we could call it a small a and a big A, Antichrist. So it talks about Antichrists who will arise, and with a small a, I guess we would say, although in Greek there's no capitalization, but but the interpretation of it being the small a is the idea that there's people who oppose the work of God. They're all throughout human history ever since Jesus came. There, there are people who take on some authority against uh, the gospel and against the people of God. They arise here and there. They, they have their demise. But the big A, Antichrist, is referring to an individual that culminates that and it's kind of expresses all of that opposition to God who emerges at the end of history as we know it. At the end of history, evil will rise, rebellion against God will rise. I mean, there's plenty of evil and rebellion against God in the world today, but eventually it will come to its climax, represented by this earthly ruler who's known as the Antichrist. And there's a lot of information about this character in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation, in the book of Second Thessalonians, where these things come from. But that's what we're talking about when we talk about Antichrist and the Antichrist. Okay, let me read some of those passages for our listeners who might not be familiar with what we're talking about, because we're not making this stuff up. This isn't just, you know, like movie fodder. This is real. This comes from Scripture, even though interpretations vary, it really comes from Scripture. Daniel 9, verses 26 and 27. So Daniel was a a prophet in the Old Testament, and a lot of his writings, especially in the second part of his book— is apocalyptic literature. So a lot of times you have to read Daniel with the book of Revelation because there are verses like this in there. Verse 26, after this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. 
The end will come with a flood, and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings, and as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. And again, this is like people, are, our listeners are saying, what in the world are you reading? That was all just very mysterious to me. What is he talking about here? The anointed one and sets different sets of seven. And then this, this sacrilegious object that causes desecration. All of this, well, the last part of this is talking about really the Antichrist. The book of Daniel, the prophecies of Daniel, they go through a series of, uh, Daniel goes through a series of different kingdoms that arise that are represented by different beasts, different animals. There's a leopard, there's a lion, and so forth. And so far, people in, uh, think that, oh, that, you know, Rome is in there, and maybe Alexander the Great is in there, and so forth. But there's this one who comes at the end, and he is, uh, he is, sort of the culmination of it all in terms of Daniel's perspective. And so these are the things that Daniel says about him. And it's interesting that Jesus picks up on that in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24. He actually refers to the time when the Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel and desecrates uh, the temple. And so... So that's something that, you know, Jesus referred back to Daniel to give us a little bit more information about this guy. Paul gives us more, and the book of Revelation gives us even more. Yeah, let's, let's read some of that from Paul. So again, for people who are taking notes, if you really want to dig into this, we'll put links below in our notes. But we've got Daniel 9, that's the Old Testament, 26 and 27. We have Jesus himself talking about it in Matthew 24. We talked about that last week a little bit, Ross. And then Paul talks about it in 2 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse three to, from verses 3 to 12. Don't be fooled by what they say, for the day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God, and the man of lawlessness, so there's another term for the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness will be revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Okay, so we're, again, we're not making this up. Antichrist is related to the end times. Daniel talked about it. Jesus talked about it. Paul got the memo. And even in the book of Revelation, which is authored by John, Revelation 13 says, I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. The beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation and all the people who belong to this world worshipped the beast. So, so Ross, we have Antichrist, we have man of lawlessness, we have beast. Is that talk, all talking about the same thing? It appears to be. I mean, if you try to connect the dots and you see the features of this individual and the, and the aspects of what his rule involves, and those things all cohere. So yeah, we we believe that this is all talking about the same kind of final ultimate evil character, satanically inspired evil character who will come and really climax the world's opposition against God. Okay, so again, now we're we're talking about the tribulation. So remind us Ross now. So what are these passages saying about the antichrist's connection 
to the tribulation, and maybe we even just need to start with the more basic question, what do we mean by the tribulation? So let's connect the dots here. Right, so that's a, that's a great question. Christians face, tribulation means trouble or trial. Christians face tribulation all the time. It's a common feature throughout the present age we live in. But the Bible talks about this intense period of suffering that comes at the end. So Daniel talks about that. The book of Revelation talks about that. This is, uh, so the way, going back to Daniel, he talked about sevens, periods of seven. And so a lot of people interpret that as understanding there'll be a seven-year period toward the end. that will be the last seven-year period of human history that is marked by this rulership of of the uh, the Antichrist. And in the book of Revelation, he appears during what people understand to be the tribulation period. It'll be a time of uh, suffering, a time of calamity, of trouble that a couple passages in the Bible say it'll be like what humanity has never been through before. The earth has never seen anything like that before, a time of warfare, blasphemy, deception, persecution, terrible calamities in the natural world with earthquakes and, and, and things like that. It'll be worldwide. And it seems like you could boil it down, I think, into two aspects. One is persecution. The other one is the judgment of God. We've seen the Antichrist opposes God. The Antichrist, if you read more in uh, Revelation chapter 13, the Antichrist seeks to destroy God's people. And there's a lot of martyrdom going on in Revelation. And then there's the judgment of God. God will, will use this time to conquer. He'll rain down judgment on Antichrist followers, in fact, all of sinful humanity as a whole. And so that, that's what people talk about, divine wrath, when they talk about the tribulation. Those are the two things that, that seem to occur. So for our listeners who were clued in last week and took good notes, they're going to say, wait a, wait a second, what do you mean the Antichrist is going to persecute God's people? I thought God's people were going to be taken up already, right? The pre-trib rapture people. And, and we mentioned last week that that's the majority of evangelical Christians in America today, that they believe that Christians will be taken away before any of the tribulation. So are Christians even going to have to deal with Antichrist, or is that really just something that uh, the people who are left behind have to deal with? Okay, so going back to the previous episode, there are groups of people who believe that Christians won't be there. There are groups of people who believe that Christians will be there, that the church will be there. But Regardless, then these people, even if you posit that the church is removed from the earth in the beginning of the tribulation, then the, the position of who is the Antichrist persecuting then? That's a great question. Well, it could be that he's persecuting Israel, like the, like the book of Daniel suggests. It could be that he's persecuting people who see the fact that the church is removed and go, oh, those Christians were right. Maybe I better pay attention to Jesus. So there maybe must be some conversions in that period. Or it could be people who came to faith in Christ, or people who are part of Israel, or it could be both. And so that would be the answer to who's being persecuted. I think, by the way, reflecting back to last week's perspective, that that would be an argument probably for the idea of the church being in the tribulation, in my view. The fact that, that it looks like 
God's people are are there. But regardless, however, however you take that, there is somebody there who is faithful to God or who represents God in the eyes of the Antichrist. Those are the people that are being persecuted. They're being martyred um, in that time. Okay, let's talk about conversions during the tribulation. I think that's really an interesting facet of this, that really all three perspectives, whether you're pre-trib, pre-wrath, or post-trib, whatever your view is on the believers at the time of this coming of Christ and, and if they're going to miss the trib or not, would you agree that every perspective would say that people still have an opportunity during the tribulation, if you're on the earth, if you have to experience a tribulation, that you still have the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus? Is that true? Absolutely. And so really, that opportunity comes to an end you know, when, when Jesus returns and there's a final judgment. Up until that time, people still have the opportunity. And what you see in the book of Revelation is that the majority of people are shaking their fist at God, that God is pouring down judgment, like, and people are going like, I don't care. God is mean. What, what's wrong with God? And they say, they call, it says they're calling out for the rocks to fall on them and to end their life. They'd rather see their life end than submit to, to God's work in their life and to submit to God's mercy. And so it's really a hardening time, maybe a time when all of these attitudes that people have now are coming to climax. But so yeah, there is an opportunity for conversion until the very, very, very end. The fact is that most people don't avail themselves of it, but apparently some do, because we do see some believers, some kind of response to Jesus within the tribulation itself. Yeah, I think so we should mention right now, Ross. I mean, we I mentioned last week that the Left Behind series, if you buy the books or if you I think we have a DVD around here somewhere that there's a note in there saying if you're watching this during the tribulation, it basically is leading people to Christ. So, I guess it could be that some listeners are listening to this in some at some future day, they're listening to this podcast episode should the antichrist not destroy all such podcasts if the pursue god podcast is still around there could be people listening to this because you feel like you are in the tribulation that you the antichrist has made himself known and you missed your you haven't put your faith in Jesus but now all of a sudden your eyes are open to the truth you recognize that the bible was right you recognize that that Jesus is who he says he is. Maybe there are people in your life who've been trying to tell you about that, but you've been hard-hearted toward the message, but now your eyes are open. Ross, maybe we should take a minute right now in the middle of this episode to address those people. What, what instructions would you have for those people even right now? Jesus has told us that whoever wants to come to him can come. He's got open arms. He, he's going to welcome anybody who who would come to him. But here's the thing, to, to come to him requires that I have to admit that I have a problem, that I have a need, that I'm on, I'm on the outs with God, that I'm, I'm wrong with God because of my sin, because I've violated God's character and his law, and I've done my things my own way, and I've, I've scoffed at God's purposes in my life and decided to be independent of him. That's, that's a, a sin when I go my own way instead of God's way. And so I have to recognize that, that I'm wrong with God, that I need redemption. And I guess during this period of tribulation, that'll be 
become very obvious that the world is is going into two poles. It's either in, in, against God or for God. And so the person who would come to Jesus to receive his mercy, his forgiveness, Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for all my sin. He died there for me to take my place, to substitute for me. And so as I trust in Jesus, that I say yes to what he did for me, and I turn to him, and, and, and my life be, be lent, then becomes connected to him and by faith and by, and by uh, repentance, turning away from my old way of life and turning to follow God. All of that then says, hey, now you have the promises that Jesus made. You have the provision that Jesus made. And so it's a simple thing of acknowledging my need, turning to Jesus as the solution, and um, committing my life to follow him. And really, Scripture says that we're saved by faith. We're not saved by works. So you know, you might say, "Man, could I really? Can I really do that at the last minute? Can I really do that? Did did I wait too long?" Maybe some listeners would say, "I I grew up in a Christian family, but I rejected Jesus, and now my family's gone." I I don't know if the pre-trip thing was right, but my family's gone. Mm -hmm. My family's been raptured, and I'm left behind. I mean, that's the whole concept behind the Left Behind series of books. Again, it's one take on the whole perspective but either way whether whether people whether Christians were left behind or were just or just underwent martyrdom because of their faith yeah and your family's not there and you but you realize that man I I I back the wrong horse here it's never too late you know yeah. Jesus always off, offers us um the chance to repent and believe and put our faith in him and and the good news is that he is faithful even when we're faithless. And so I think that's just a good reminder yeah. to people who might be listening to this at some future date when maybe it's pretty clear in world history that this time has come, because it will come, this time will come. Yeah. But Ross, let's back up now and let's talk about today, 2023. What would you say to the person who says, I think it's here. I think the Antichrist is Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Oprah Winfrey or whoever right, else, you know, right. I think the Antichrist yeah. is, yeah. So I mean, what would you say to those people before we kind of move on about the debates about the tribulation when we're talking specifically about Antichrist? You know, it's kind of funny because people who get into the biblical prophecy, so many of them have decided that it's helpful to identify a character in history. Christians have been doing that, by the way, for centuries. So there were times when, in, in the Protestant Reformation, they were, they were identifying the Pope as the Antichrist. And, and there have been characters along the way, political characters, leaders of different kinds of more prominent leaders and and so so that's really it's kind of a fool's errand really to try to identify who that is in in advance but you know for all we know for all we know we don't nobody knows the timing of Jesus return for all we know could be the antichrist is alive today it could be that he's you know some bureaucrat in some part of the world is ascending to power step by step by step who knows we just don't know and so it's not helpful to, to forecast the details of how it will all happen. What is helpful is to understand the overall scheme of things to say that, oh, you know, a time is coming. We might live through that time when the world congeals around its opposition to, to Christ. And that would be something that we, we want to be aware of. But, but you know what? It, here's what it boils down to. In my daily life, 
Am I following, am I faithful to Jesus day in, day out, whatever situations I'm in, however hard they are, however easy they are, whatever they involve, what choices they involve, am I honoring God in my life day in and day out? And if I'm doing that, then, you know, I'll be ready even if I don't know who the Antichrist is in advance. Ross, did the early church, you know, we read these verses, and if I'm if I'm in the early church reading this stuff, because there was persecution in the early church, did the early church uh, identify an antichrist in the, even in their day? I mean, you said it's been happening for centuries. Did it even happen way back then? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that question. They may have, some people may have said, oh, it's Nero, or it's Domitian, the, the emperors who persecuted the church considerably, probably were in the, in the crosshairs. You know, because um, the book of Revelation does have a lot of overtones with respect to the work of the Roman Empire in interacting with Christianity. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Christians were going, oh, it's Diocletian or some other Roman Empire at the time. Okay, so we've, we've talked about who the Antichrist is and how the Antichrist prominently figures into this whole idea of the Great Tribulation, this this time of intense suffering that's going to come at the end of history. It's connected into the rapture. But, but let's finish up, Ross, by kind of talking about, what. Are, so what are the, what's the debate around this whole topic? What, is, what are the options that our listeners might need to wrestle with when it comes to the tribulation? Yeah, the, you know, there's really no debate about Antichrist, the nature of the Antichrist so much, other than people who say, claim it is a certain person, that, that would certainly be debatable. But about the nature and the purpose of the, I guess the, the one debate, kind of as a precursor to the ones we want to talk more about, one debate would be whether or not these events encompass whether they're historical or whether they're futuristic. And uh, when we'll talk about the millennium at another, in another episode, we'll talk about how there's two approaches, generally speaking, to the um, eschatological prophecies of the Bible, that, that these are, this is talking about tribulation that Christians always go through. It's talking about the warfare between Satan and God that's always present in the, in the age we live in, and talking about all kinds of characters who meet the criteria that this symbolic antichrist of revelation meets. And so the biggest debate, uh, the, pre- the preliminary debate here would be whether or not these are actual future events that will be history at some point, or whether they're symbolic of something larger that's going on within human history as a whole. Where, where do most, you know, we mentioned last week that most evangelical Christians, whether they know it or not, they probably go to a church that falls into the pre-trib category. Is there a, is there a dominant view in terms of historical or symbolic? I'd say in America, the dominant view is is uh, is going to be the this a future approach. That these are these are things that are going to really happen in the future. Um, they're it's a premillennial. We'll talk about the millennium later, but premillennial and amillennial are the two main things. Amillennial is a decidedly it's a Christian position, and a lot of um, evangelical denominations hold it, but it's not the majority position probably in the evangelical world. So most would say, yeah, this is this is something that's future that's really going to happen. And that's why, you know, that's why the the movies sell, because there's more people who follow this approach than the others. 
Okay, so let's finish. Now, this might be a little bit of a, of a review, but now that we understand Antichrist and tribulation a little bit better, let's just finish, Ross, with the, the debate in terms of pre-trib, pre-wrath, post-trib. Now that, now that people have had an intro to that concept last week, and now they really understand Antichrist and tribulation, why don't we kind of like summarize all of this in, in the different positions on on the the tribulation and when it occurs. Yeah. And so it's a great question. Um, it's relevant. The tree posi- the pre-tribulation position, to put it in a, in a simplest possible summary, we can talk about it if you want, but the pre-tribulational position holds that Christians will not be in the tribulation. They won't be under the persecution of the Antichrist. They may be persecuted now in countries around the world. They won't be under the persecution of the Antichrist and they won't be in the time of God's wrath. So Christians will be removed before the tribulation, have nothing to do with really the Antichrist. The pre-wrath says that Christians will be under the persecution, but not under the judgment of God in that period of time. And the post-tribulation position would argue that Christians will be, the church will be there throughout the entire tribulation period. Now, many of us won't be there because we'll be martyred, you know, it'll happen after our death in this world. But the post-tribulation is all-inclusive of Christians in the, in the uh, tribulation. You know, Ross, this, this whole topic, this episode, could probably create a lot of anxiety in, in the hearts of the listeners. You know, whether they're Christians or not, I think I could see young people being exposed to this for the first time and feeling anxiety. I could see middle-aged men, <laughs> you know, listening to this and saying, oh my gosh, am I ready? I don't understand. How would you address the person who listens to this episode and just is filled with anxiety? You know what? You know, here's the story that's, that's throughout the whole concept of Jesus' return, the whole concept of really tribulation and persecution whenever it happens at any time in history, is that God is faithful. He will take care of his people. Now, he won't necessarily spare me from the tribulation of trouble. In fact, God will use that. The The Bible says in James chapter 1 that God will actually use those times to mature my faith and to perfect my character and my following of Jesus. But I can trust that the promises of God, that he's going to be there, he's going to be faithful to me as I'm faithful to him, that he's going to give me everything I need to handle the situation um, as I turn to him. Okay, so it's going to be kind of a, a testing period to see who really belongs to God, maybe, but also for us to go like, oh, what have I developed in my relationship with Jesus? How how much have I relied on God before the challenge came up like that? How much have I relied on him? And how faithful have I been to him before it was super you know, tested? So I would say the, the encouragement is, um, is that God is going to see you through, that Jesus is always there. He's going to see you through. And in fact, that he went through it first, right, before we did. And he's going to um, be strong on our behalf, he's going to be present, and we can rely on him during those times. Yeah, let's finish this episode just by reading that passage you mentioned, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, 
you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So that's everything you need to know. Well, at least some of the things you need to know about the Antichrist, the tribulation. Again, if you want to talk about this topic with your family, with a small group, or one-on-one with a mentor, you can find all of it online at pursuegod.org. And make sure to join us next time, because we're going to continue to unpack eschatology. And next time, that brings us to the topic of the millennium. We'll see you then. Hey, listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously, it takes money to create good podcasts. But more than that, we want to make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit PursueGod.org forward slash donate.